that stands on that. He has protected and helped the church community. He has protected and helped the veterans. He has protected and helped in very real ways the poor, the poorer communities in America. And they've testified to this very strongly to, to me. Um, and um, a lot of that is contrary to what you hear on, on the, the, the news. So anyway, so I say that because I know that he does stir people's uh, opinions at times. But so I'm a, I'm a big supporter of him uh, because I've known that he's, he's been emphatic in standing for Christian principles and to allow uh, Christianity uh, to be uh, preached and um, to defend the uh, Christian peoples and values. So some of our ministers who are connected with TikTok were helping him in his campaign, and, and that's what happened. I got that uh, sent through, which was a wonderful thing. Tikkin, if you don't know what Tikkin is, Tikkin is the network, the International Christian Church Network, that I have the privilege of overseeing. We have, uh, in the network, there's a lot of churches. Um, I mean, I, I basically stopped counting at 2,000, and um, there's a lot of churches in the network, a lot of ministers, and a lot of people around uh, look to Tikkin to give advice um, on, on various things. Sometimes it's legal advice, sometimes it's pastoral, um, but it acts as a covering for people. So Tikkin has, has played an important work. So when I was out in the States a couple of weeks ago, and I was on a radio program, and I was being interviewed about uh, what, what I was doing in the book, of course, which I've received some lovely uh, feedback from. Hope you've all got a copy. <laughs> um, the, um, the, the, the book, The Cybernetics of Faith. But one of the people who'd heard the interview was a senator. And I mentioned last week that I was invited down to speak at a fundraising event for the Republican Party. And I spoke to them, but I spoke to them, I spoke to a, a, a downcast group in a way. They were behind in the polls. The election was two days away. They had less than half of the money of the Democrats to spend on the election. Everything was looking bad. Everything was looking uh, not so good for them. And so when I was there, I had this leading of the Lord to really give them a very uh, strong message. And it really was the Lord who gave me that message, and they were tremendously impacted. And I've got to say that um, the senator won the election, and not only that, but um, the uh, um, Mike Johnson now has been uh, made, for the first time in American history, the Speaker of the House. Uh, this is quite stunning. I mean, it... it it's, it's quite stunning. And I've had reports from the States saying that that evening really was the change event that impacted that. And so the senators invited me back to speak to their churches. Um, and now uh, uh, we have, you know, uh, right at the head of the U.S. government. I mean, next to the, the vice president, Mike Johnson is next in line to be president of, the, of America. So it's a tremendous thing, really, that's happened. 
And we just thank the Lord for it. And he's a godly man. He's a godly man. He's a man of prayer. He's a very humble man. And, you know, he, he will defend uh, Christian values very strongly. So praise God for this. It's wonderful. So I want you to know, listen, when we're talking here, you see, let me tell you something. When we're talking here, when I'm speaking things, to you it may, look, I'm going to be frank. In this sermon this morning, the Lord told me, don't hold back. You be, you be clear and strong. So I, I, I'm going to be clear and strong, okay? Just, you just, you know, I'm just going to be honest. Um, and, and please hear it as not my words, but the words of the scripture, which, which, it, which it is. Here's the thing, okay? When I've been saying to people that, you know, what we do here, it, it's significant. It has a significant and lasting impact. Um, you know, it, it really may not look like there's thousands of people here and there's a big crowd and it looks so important. It may not look like that. It doesn't need to look like that. You know, in, there was the Cambridge Seven that basically changed the world. There's Jesus, seemingly insignificant, right over there as he, you know, comes to earth as a little baby in a manger. And, you know, the, the impact uh, changed uh, human civilization. And, and so insignificant things, it can appear to be insignificant, but it's not insignificant in God. If God is really in it, it can change the world. And I'm telling you that because I believe that God has called us to have a significance. I think that we live in a day and an age, you know, where it's so easy to be overlooked. You know, for example, you, you have a cooker and, and you spend hours, you know, they just... They treat you like you're, you're nothing. And modern life is full of those examples. You're waiting on the phone for customer services, and they don't care. You're a number. People don't care. Life, modern life is full of that. So modern life has downgraded the individual. Okay? So modern life downgrades the individual. Here's what God says to us. I have chosen you, and not only that, I know the number of hairs on your head. I haven't downgraded you at all. To me, you're made in my image, and you are very important, and you're very significant, and the world may overlook you, your family may overlook you, society may overlook you, but God says, I'm not overlooking you. And one with me, he says, is a majority. One with God is a majority. So if God calls us to do something, if God calls us to do something, I'm telling you, everyone else can be against. It doesn't make any difference. You know why? My case is different. My case is different because I'm walking with almighty God. Amen? Our case is different. And we need to stand on that truth and realize that and know that as we walk through this life. But let's get straight to the Bible now because I don't want to... Um, that, that was just me saying a, a little introduction to this because what I spoke to those centers about was this, that we have the power to bind and loose. And I've mentioned it, and I thought I must expand on this a little bit this morning. So come with me, please, to Matthew uh, chapter uh, 16. 
And then I'll read from verse 19 first of all. It says this, I will give you the key of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And at that moment, of course, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And so, you know, it uh, seems very specific to Peter. He's talking to Peter there. But let's go a little bit further and we'll see that this applies to the church. Come with me, please, if you will, to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. And I'm going to read a few more verses here. I want us to follow this because it's important, because this really is about uh, church order and church structure. You see, the thing is, precious brothers and sisters, we live in a society that lacks order and lacks structure, okay? And the order and the structure of this modern world has man on the throne. It's your life. You're in charge of your... It's my life. I'll do what I want. Well, not if you follow Jesus Christ. If you follow Jesus Christ, there's no room for that thinking, no room for that talk. It's not your life. If you follow Christ, it's not your life. You were bought at a price. And that was a high price paid. And it talks of the value of us as individuals. But it's not a weak gospel that we've got. And I tell you this, so much of the time, you know, it's, it, what's happened is the church has been affected by society. And so what's happened within churches, weakness has festered. And so the people have become feeble and weak. But God isn't calling us for feebleness and weakness. He's called us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we heard about it this morning in the psalm that was read. Psalm 1 talks about, what does Psalm 1 talk about? Verse 1, Psalm 1, verse 1. Someone read it out. Psalm 1, verse 1. Let's, let's, let's read it out. Amen. In his law, he meditates day and night. In the law of God. Well, what's the law of God for us? Say, well, oh, the law, the, the Ten Commandments, the Pentateuch. The... No, 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 no. Hey, we've got the New Testament, and the New Testament involves the old, yes, but the New Testament does have, you know, sometimes the preaching of grace is such that there's no law. There's no understanding of what law is. But there are laws with God. And the New Testament is explicit about that in various places, actually. I won't go into all of those places now. But what I'll say is this. It, it, it was very clear to the Jews that the laws of God were at the forefront of their mind. Jesus now is speaking here in Matthew 18, and let's read that in light of what I've just said. More from verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. This is this is a law. Okay, this is what we're taught to do. It's 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 a clear pattern of church. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more 
that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Okay? So if they're not going to listen, then, you know, they're outside. It's talking there of excommunication. They're sent out. Now, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Here it is again now. The same words as we read in Matthew 16. This time it's in 18. In 16, it was to Peter. In 18, it's to the church. It has a wider application here. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. There's a great irony there, you know, because you see many people, oh, well, we're having church. Uh, we don't go, which church you go to? Oh, I don't, uh, we have church, you know, we just have church in, in, uh, in, our, in our homes, you know, whatever. Well, I believe in house church. I like house churches. But, you know, church in the New Testament, the ecclesia, the called out ones, are called out from the world, and in the New Testament, we have an order for those called out ones. There's a structure for what was the assembly. It's a well-known structure. It's throughout the early church. It's throughout the history. It's, it's in the New Testament. It's clear to be seen. And so all, when you hear someone say that, what you've got is, in fact, someone who's decided to rebel against that. That's a great irony, isn't it? They're actually rebelling against the church. They're not in the church. They're rebelling against the church. They may have an intellectual assent. They may think that they believe. They may believe to some degree. Only God knows where they stand. What I know is this. If we really do follow Jesus, we will love his church. We will be part of his church. And we will be submitted to the order of his church. And, and, you know, this is a very important point. Watch when we go on here. This gets, this becomes very clear. Verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my, uh, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and the parable goes on. We won't go into the parable, which most of us might be familiar with. But here's what I want to do right now. Just so that it's not my uh, interpretation, I want to read to you from some commentaries that I was looking at yesterday on this matter of binding and loosing, okay? So Mayer's commentary. If two of you agree as to anything that it be asked in prayer, it will be given to you by God. When, therefore, your hearts are united in prayer, you're assured of divine help and illumination, in order that in every case you may arrive at and in the church give effect to decisions in accordance with the mind of God. Amen? 
So there's an so, so what it does is it's saying that when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. What it's saying is the decisions that are made will be in accordance with God's will, and they'll be in accordance with God's will because they're meeting in the context of the wider church for the benefit of the wider church. They're meeting as ambassadors, as representatives of that wider church, okay? So bear with me here. It's a little technical here, and then we're going to get to a really juicy point. <laughs> but see, I'm holding it back a little bit. Barnes says this, the meaning of this verse is whatever you shall do in the, in the discipline of the church shall be approved by God or bound in heaven. This is a very strong point. Now you see, to the first century Jews, they understood the power of order, of belief and structure and order. And this has been lost through this modern culture that has permeated into the church a permeation of weakness and a permeation of defilement, okay? We have a very weak society out there in terms of the Christian gospel. Society is set against the gospel. It hates the gospel, okay? Society does hate the gospel. There's an intrinsic despising of the gospel. It's important for me to say this. I, I don't want to focus on something that's negative. I just want to point it out to illuminate what we need to be aware of. The Bible says this, we're not unaware of his schemes, the enemy's schemes. Well, one of his schemes is very subtle, very subtle. The enemy is very subtle. So he doesn't come in and, and say, he doesn't come into the church here, okay, stand in the front with, you know, horns and say, hello, children, follow me. And I go, you know, like the, that film, you know, what was that film? You know, that catcher, the sweet, the sweet, yeah, yeah, chichi chichi bang bang, that sweet, that really creepy guy with the, 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 who caught the children, yeah, you know, oh, and, and the adults, you know, he doesn't say, he doesn't say that to us, come on, follow me, everyone. No, he doesn't do that. What he does is he uses the culture to get you to follow him to get us to follow his ways more than God's ways and this is why when we get together like this in our assembly what we must do is we must sharpen one another we must be on point and we must be we must be looking at the scriptures to make sure that we don't stray in that way don't go in that direction the new testament is a book of warnings don't don't go that way don't do this. They won't inherit the kingdom. It's the New Testament I'm talking about. It's not some mean person who's been harsh and, and so filled with the law and religion that he's become harsh. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what the New Testament says. They won't inherit the kingdom. This is, what, this is Bible Christianity. This is the truth. We should know the truth and the truth will set us free. Watch this. It says this in the expositor's commentary. It says this. The binding and loosing, uh, generically exercising judgment on conduct. Here specifically, treating sin as pardonable or the reverse. 
a particular exercise of the function of judging. Now then, let me read this one. Pools. Christ assures these persons that such censures ought not to be slighted, for God would confirm them in heaven as also to their absolutions. Now, I'm understanding this. You may not be following this. This is so powerful, and it's so true, because I've read the context. I understand what it's saying. Bear with me here as I read these words. Not that our Lord, by this intent, by this intended to confirm all sentences of excommunication or to patronize any cheat or hypocrisy in any, to gain any absolution or restoration to the church, but only as to the first, to assure stubborn and impenitent sinners that he would ratify what the church did according to the rule he'd given them to act by. It is therefore a terrible text. It's a terrible text. This is a terrible text to those who are justly and duly cut off from the communion of the church for notorious and scandalous sins, such as those who committeth and do not repent of, they shall never enter into the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is this, look, there are some people who else from the assembly because of their sin. But there are some people who excuse themselves from the assembly because they've been lied to by the enemy outside. He says, you don't need to go to church. Don't bother going to church. It's a sunny day outside. The beach is calling. Why bother? It'll be another hour and a half and you've got to go there, and it's inconvenient, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't go! Okay, we won't go. We won't go. We won't be involved in the church. Let's not get involved. I'll follow Satan instead. Where are you going, Mr. Satan? Oh, here we go, outside! And they go outside! And they're not involved in the church! And the church doesn't benefit from their gifts. The church doesn't benefit from the, the, all that God has given them to glorify him, to further his kingdom. The church doesn't benefit. Why doesn't the church benefit? Why? Because they don't want to give their best to the church. Instead, they give their best to what they choose is right. And they justify themselves through the culture of the day. The culture has permeated into them to such a degree that they now justify, they justify their own compromises. They justify themselves. And they say, well, you know, and they invent reasons, and they invent reasons, and they invent... I'm telling you this. This is a day that we live in when we ought to be so strongly committed. For Micah, I said it last week, Micah, I mean, even, you know, went just after she was gave birth. I mean, she's in church. A few days later, she's in church. 
She won't want to miss. Now look, if people have got work, if people have got other things, if people are away, if people are... Fine, of course. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the creeping compromise of this world into a church culture that should be on fire. On fire, saying, you think I want to miss church? You must be joking. What, miss church? What, for football? Are you joking? Are you joking me? Miss church for football? A football match? Grow up. I'm not missing church for football. We're not missing church for 56 goals he scored last year. He'll score goals from anywhere, my son Samuel. Anywhere. Half a chance back of the net. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, really amazing. But he knows we're not missing Sunday for football. And we're not, we're not. Christianity is not to be played with. God is not to be played with. Don't have God on your terms. If you have God on your terms, you've created a perversion of God. He's not there to be perverted and played with. God is there to be listened to and submitted to. We listen and submit to him and yield to him. That's what we do. And we yield to his way of, of living. And this in particular, I mean, I'm, being, I'm not going as strong as I, as I could go with this. Because really what this is saying is the assembly that sets the rules for the community sets the rules. And if you break those rules, you'd be in trouble in the assembly. I mean, if we were to go back a couple of hundred years, if people were in church, there'd be a, there, there wouldn't be a phone call in those days. There'd be a knock on the door. And, and they'd be saying, you, you know, what, what's going on? Why weren't you there? What, what, what's happening? What about your family? What about the thing? People today now would say, well, that's a bit intrusive. That's a bit harsh. Yes, because people wanted the best for you. Look, when you have a trainer, okay, and, and you're involved in a sport, the tra- if, if, if someone's involved in training for a sport, you know, uh, let's say, I don't know, what, what sport would it be? Um, boxing. Boxing, you know, let's say boxing. You, you, you've got someone, okay, he, he, he's, he's thrown a few punches, the trainer's standing there, and he's oh, oh, it's, oh, it's hurting a bit. Oh, go and have a rest. Oh, go and have a rest. Go and sit down. Make sure you don't tie yourself out. You don't want to tie yourself out too much. Oh, watch that arm. You don't want to strain yourself, do you? Don't strain yourself. They don't train like that in boxing. They train hard. Push yourself. Go past your, your, where, where your limit is, and, you, and you, you go a little bit more. And what that does is it stretches the muscles. And the next time you can go a bit further. And three years down, further than you could on the first day that you started your training and it's like that with 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 the lord the lord is calling us he's saying listen be in my word throughout the week be in my word yes i know you i know you tend to fall asleep when you read it doesn't matter forget about that just go to it and read two minutes two minutes of the word read two minutes and then go to prayer just read just pray for 30 seconds Pray for 30 seconds before meals. Pray before meals. And then throughout the day, try and include the Lord. Try and pray a little bit throughout the day. 
And then worship the Lord. Try and worship. Find time to worship him. If you're in the car, worship him. Or, 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 or you know, just worship. Include the Lord in your day. Be passionate about God. Be, let there be a fire in you for the things of God. Don't let there be a fire for the things of the world. Let the things of God really be the things that are burning inside of you. Cause those things to burn inside. You know? This, this world, what this world is doing is it's trying to dumb down our, our belief. Trying to dumb down our faith. Trying to get us to make excuses. Trying to get us to, you know, uh, just... Uh, you know, let's get it over with. Let's get the, uh, let, let, what's the time now? Let's just check. Was it five minutes? Oh, better hurry. Uh, uh, you know, let's just get it over with. We can get on with the day then. We've done a religious bit and get on with the day. You know, listen, wake up. You know, we've got, we can't live like that. The Lord is calling us to make a massive difference in this world. I have proof of that. I started this sermon today with a bit of a testimony, a proof of that. Well, guess what? You've been called to make a difference as well. You've got a sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence is different than mine. But if I'm trying to make a difference in mine, and by God's grace, if God is doing something in mine, and if God is doing something in yours, then what happens is lights start going up. Lights have been switched on. Lights have been switched on. When we come to church, we say, hey, how was your week? Praise God. These things happen. We come to church and we stir each other up. You know, we should be talking to each other. And by the way, this is the other thing. Get involved. You know, if there's gifts that you have, use them for the furtherance of the church. There's a community hall there. Use them in the community hall. Use them in the church. It's not my job. It's not my job to be, I can't live your life for you. You've got gifts from God. God is going to call you accountable for your gifts. I won't be accountable. That's all I've got to do is facilitate them. And you'll find I'm not an insecure pastor. A lot of pastors are insecure people. I don't want to let anyone else. I'm not like that. I'm happy to facilitate people's gifts. Run with it. We'll facilitate the gift of God and let's see what we can do. Because I'm convinced that God is calling us to really make a great difference, a great impact. It's remarkable some of the things that we've got testimonies about. You know them. And so what it means is switching off of self and switching on. Okay, Lord. I'm not going to give you an hour and a half or even an hour and three quarters on a Sunday. I'm going to give you my life. All of my life. It's all yours. I relinquish control of my life to God Almighty for him to do with my life what he wills. I yield my life to him. Please, Lord, have your way now with me. Amen. That's what he's called us for. He's called us for that. He's called us to be strong. And church, you know, you belong to a church that produced a booklet. This, that's what this church did. We produce, because we believe in this, 
And I haven't got anywhere near as strong as I thought I was. I was going to get really strong. <laughs> but I'm like really held back. So, so. <laughs> oh, that was going to be so much stronger than I've got to. Oh, my word. Oh, you. He just wants you so gentle, gentle, gentle. He's so gentle with us, isn't he? He's so gentle. He's so gentle. Bless. Oh, praise the Lord. He's so wonderful. The Lord is so sweet. He's so wonderful. He's so sweet. He's so gentle. He loves you so much, my precious brothers and sisters. I hear him speaking to me now. He loves you so much like little children. Like a little children on a mother's breast. Little children. Just little children. Bless you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We praise you. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you. This, this booklet here, you know, has five, five steps. It's called Living in Faith Every Day. And it's free as well. No charge. And it just talks about really walking with Jesus, be close to Jesus, and the steps to do that. Just It gives helpful steps. Avail yourselves of these. Please take one of these. If you haven't got one, take it and read it. You know? And there's even a space on the back, you know, where you can sign. You can say, you know, I'm making that commitment before God. I'm going to make that commitment. Make a commitment. Sign it and date it. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. A little, simple little tool, and it's full of scripture. There's five points. There's 15 scriptures that back those points up. Three for each point, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's impacted many lives, actually, I've heard of. Yeah, binding and loosing were common Jewish legal terms as I come to a close. Um, it, it was to declare something uh, forbidden or to declare it allowed. Um, what, what it meant was we have the authority given to us, and this is the exciting part of this. When you are yielded to God, service, and you've, you've yielded your, your life, I'm giving everything to God. God gets my full now, everything. When you do that, right, you're in a position where you are very confident about binding and loosing things. So you know that when something is, goes against God, you bind it. Now I'm going to tell you something which I don't want to be on the camera. So let's not have it on the, on the camera, but we can edit it out perhaps. Can we all stop it? We'll wait a minute. So the thing is this, we'll, give me a thumbnail.